last segment, the hundred and second, uh, we're going to dig into the Barbie movie, and I know that seems like uh, maybe unorthodox sort of uh, material, considering some of the things that um, we may usually kind of cover in this podcast, but it actually isn't. You know, um, I'm not really so much going to do a movie breakdown uh, as far as Bobby Barbie, because it was so much in the film that um, I sort of got I got a little overwhelmed, you know, and what I mean by overwhelmed is um, in terms of breaking it down. Like if I took piece by piece by piece by piece, it would probably either be a multi-segment podcast or it'd be a three-hour podcast because this this film, uh, it overwhelms you with the agenda. It's really, it overwhelms you. So it's, it's almost a situation like if we don't catch you here, we'll catch you over there, but we're going to catch you, all right? So what I want to do is um, I want to share why I wanted to break this movie down, how it even came across my radar. You know, there were um, some videos that were being put up uh, by different individuals, women, females, and they were sharing their joy about the movie and how they felt that it was empowering and, you know, just just a, a step in the right direction for, for women, what, what women needed, and, and particularly young girls, because this movie is a PG-13 movie, so... In essence, it's, you know, it's for young girls and, of course, mothers, those who grew up with Barbie, if you will. And um, then there was a there was a series of videos among that where it talked about um, basically women who were well not, well, not even talked about, but there were females who shared that they broke up with their boyfriends because of their boyfriend's inability to honor what the movie principles were sharing you know and i'm, I'm saying that in the kindest way because because some of them were a bit more um crude than that and i found that interesting you know i found that part interesting because certainly when i think of barbie not that i've ever i never played with barbie dolls and i never um my sisters didn't play with Barbie dolls, so I didn't. I didn't. I never had one Barbie inside of of my home. I don't even think as a child even touched a Barbie, you know, let alone had one inside the the house growing up, and certainly did not allow my children anything close to Barbies or Little Mermaids or anything. We we were not that that sort of house, but um, when I when I think about Barbie, I think about you know happiness and goodness and you know fun time and play with my, my barbie you know play essentially you know i would think of um you know for most people it would sort of conjure childhood memories and again be centered around the idea of the idea of, of play but uh this movie some of the responses that i was watching and listening to it didn't sound like Anybody was out to play, <laughs> based on what I was hearing. So with that, I want to sh- I want to share one of the audio, uh, just one, because I started going through them, and that's why I said it's getting overwhelming because it was just too many of them, and um, I was like, man, I'm be here all day with this. So I said, let me just grab the one that started it all off, and then um, you know you all can do searches for the other ones, but I'm gonna play it real quick. And then we're going to come back. And let me give you a warning. There's a little bit of profanity in it. 
not much, but just a little, uh, just so you know. All right, here we go. So today I ended my relationship of two years. I was in this toxic relationship. He would always manipulate me, gaslight me. But you know how hard it is sometimes to let go of a person who, when things are good, things are really good. And um, so, you know, I was really excited to see Barbie. I was like, we have to go see Barbie. I really want to go. And um, he knew how excited I was. But like a week before the showing that we were going to see, we got into a fight. He said some hurtful things again. We hadn't spoken for a whole week. And I was really wishing that he would come and apologize before the showing because I really wanted to go um, and, and have fun with him. But of course he didn't. So I went with a friend and it was great, you know, very empowering. And like 30 minutes before the showing, he texts me and he's like, hey, I'm in my usual spot. Like, hey, can we like talk? And I, and I was like, nah, I, I can't because I'm, I'm out. We can speak tomorrow. And so, you know, today comes and, um, and we speak and I'm thinking, oh, he's going to apologize. We're going to fix things. And no, he comes at me with conditions. If we want to continue our relationship, I have some conditions. And I was like, excuse me, what? Are you planning to apologize to me for the hurtful things you said? For how you spoke to me? For how you treated me? And he was just like, yeah, I'm not going to apologize. I'm not going to apologize. Like the same shit that he has always done. And I was like, you know what? One thing that Barbie showed me was that I'm not going to let a man treat me like shit. I'm just not going to do it. I'm done. And yeah, so I I broke up with him. He never thought that I was going to do that. And so yeah, thank you Barbie for empowering me, for giving me the confidence, for making me realize that I deserve better. That, you know, I'm amazing and I deserve better. All right, so that was uh, one TikTok uh, individual. I know since the, the uh, she dropped that, I guess this she's gotten a little bit more attention. <laughs> uh, and I and I laugh because it almost seems like yeah, that's that was the point, right? You know, I I hope you apologize before the movie. <laughs> you know, um, I don't know if anyone is able to really understand or hear. You know. Sometimes even when you hear certain voices, you already know what it is. Um, and, and then my boyfriend, and, um, you know, um, you kind of already know what kind of, um, mental frame you're dealing with. But back to the movie, right? So that, that's what sparked it for me. You know, um, I had saw that video and I said, oh, interesting. You know, because that listening to her, I said, man, it sounds, she sounds like so many people who I've worked with or do work with, so many who you can speak to and speak to, and you know, you're just not getting through to them. They just kind of, 
they've been thoroughly socially poisoned. And you, after a while, after years of doing this sort of work, you can smell the poison a mile away. You can smell someone who's been social poisoned, you know, or agenda poisoned. And so I said, okay, let me check out this movie and see what's what's the deal, right? And um, it's interesting that we have two films. You know, like I say, oftentimes when the world is looking one way, you look the other. Two films came out at the same time, Oppenheimer and Barbie. And Oppenheimer is a three-hour historical piece, you know, and it, it, it did amazing at the box office, which is saying a lot because it's very difficult to get people in the chairs for, for three hours to watch a history, <laughs> you know, a history class, if you will. Um, but it's an original one. Whereas Barbie is not original, right? We, we all know Barbie. It's like doing a G.I. Joe movie. Okay, we know G.I. Joe. You know, um, but when you're looking like at Oppenheimer, it's dealing with morality and, and, you know, some level or high level of historical accuracy as well. But with Barbie, you don't really need any sort of, um, uh, talent. I'll say. And this movie really showed that, you know, um, though there was talent in the film, yeah, like Ryan Gosling and um, Issa Rae and America Ferreira and um, um, Margot Robbie, you know, was it Robbie Margot or Margot Robbie, you know, um, who I, I really like her as an actress, as an actress. <laughs> you know, I, I, I like... Um, I like her range. I like the stuff that she's she's been in. She's always she's always stood out to me, you know. Um from when uh she from from uh The Wolf of Wall Street was the first time I think the first time I saw her. But um yeah, from the moment she did The Wolf of Wall Street, I said, Okay, she's interesting. And then she did um Birds of Prey, which was which was not a good movie. You know, but she did, you know, she was in one of the bad, in Suicide Squad, right? Which also wasn't really that great. But, uh, I just, I, I appreciated her, her range, you know, and she also did, um, Mary Queen of Scots as well. But, you know, she's all over the place. And I, and I appreciate, um, actors and actresses with that, that measure of, uh, flexibility, you know? So there was definitely, talent there was some talent in there um now was he i mean and will ferrell you had will ferrell you know you put will ferrell in the movie you know it's gonna win it's gotta win it's will ferrell he's gonna be funny i mean just looking at him you'll start laughing you know he's 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 mr funny man so like i said i say this to say that there was no lack of talent per se in in the movie itself but um the writing and the setup and the holes in the plot were so terrible that, you know, for me looking at it, I started to imagine that maybe you're doing this on purpose. I think you made it so bad on purpose. You left all these holes and weird scenarios and um, lack. There was a lack of continuity throughout on purpose because it's supposed to appeal to certain people. Right. So when we're looking at the movie, this the movie is really it's a it's about a revolution against the patriarchy, if you will, and you know it's 
it's a different sort of situation when you say the patriarchy versus patriarchy, right? Because the patriarchy, of course, deifies it and makes it a very invisible thing and then allows for uh, different definitions and different ideas that may have nothing to do with what patriarchy is. But in this film, we it starts in Barbie land. And Barbie land is, there's a, you have kittens and you have, which are female, you have males. And in Barbies, which most of them are female, we'll get into that. Um, and there's a sharp line between the two of them, maybe a, a, a very brute sort of distinct line between their two political and sort of social systems and the females or the Barbies, they enjoy a certain level of, of control, you know, constitutional control. And there's a female president who's played by Issa Rae. Um, they, they control the ju- judicial branch, you know, of this entire Barbie land space. And, um, there's no sort of change. Be needed because there's no decision making really needed, you know, or really even the exercise of power, because it's there's a, it's a matriarchy. That's what it is. That's what it's always been, and there's there's no reason to question it or anything else. You see, so that's that's where we begin at, right? And this sort of Barbie Land experience or dynamic, it's it's stabilized in the sense that there's. There's harmony, you know. Uh, there's no need for reproduction. So there's a lot of other kind of little messages in here because no one has any genitalia. So the Kens don't they they don't reproduce, and all they really do is um, engage in recreational activities, right? Basically, at the beach, <laughs> they beach as they call it, and. Kens do not exist without Barbies. I mean, you think about it now, when you think about Ken, you say Barbie and Ken. Barbie and Ken. And as boys, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't, I, I don't have any friends who play with Ken dolls. So I, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know about that one there. Toy soldiers, stuff like that, sure. You know, uh, rock'em sock'em robots, sure. You know, um, hungry hippo even, <laughs> but I don't. So I, I don't know. You know, I'd have to do some research on that. If Ken's Ken was actually marketed to boys and boys actually utilized them, I was I didn't grow up around those type of boys. You know, but um, I knew young girls who had the Barbie and Ken. You know, the Barbie Dream House with the Ken. You know, so. Um, in this sort of dynamic, you know, Barbie comes first, Ken follows, and Ken is an accessory to Barbie. Ken doesn't stand on his own in, in this in this context. And there's a threat that enters into the environment, and you start to realize that each Barbie that's in this, this sort of Barbie land world, they are tethered to their human owners. And the actions of their owners will change what they are, you know. So um, we have one Barbie who's played by Margot Robbie, and she is what we call, or what's called in the movie, uh, stereotypical Barbie. You know, and stereotypical Barbie, she's like the the prime archetype of what Barbie's to be. But she's starting to show 
signs of aging in in the form of of cellulite and she's thinking about death you know and in order to fix this situation she is told that she has to leave Barbie land and go to find her own her owner her first owner her original owner so that she could become who she's supposed to be right now i'm i'm making it very simple because again there's a lot in this film ooh there's so much and um I don't want to go step by step because it's just too much, right? So she goes into the quote-unquote real world. And, you know, Ken is, I guess we could say, sort of a stowaway. Um, Ken jumps into the back of her car while she's going, the Barbie car, and follows her into the real world, right? And in that world, she finds uh, Sasha, who who's her owner, but Sasha wants nothing to do with her, right? Because uh, Sasha has certain ideas about what femininity are, and then Barbie has another one. Barbie feels like a thought when she was going to go into that world of humans that she would be completely celebrated. And they come to find out, and and there's some some serious holes in the plot because, like, you know, at one point Sasha calls her a fascist. And then Barbie is like, oh, I'm not a fascist because of A, B, C, and D. So she knows what a fascist is. And it's like, how would you have that level of understanding inside of this Barbie world where you don't have to understand anything? You're basically like children there. So it's these weird sort of, in the movie, like these weird sort of plot holes that made no sense. You know, um, yeah, no sense at all. There was one scene where they're on a boardwalk. Well, that Venice Beach and these construction workers are flirting, uh, you know, in, in an inappropriate way uh, with her. And she's like, well, just so you know, I don't have any um, genitals. And it's like, how would you know this? Is, that's what they were doing because that doesn't exist in your world. You know, how would you even know what genitals are? You know, so it's just... It was, <laughs> I don't want to call the movie dumb. <laughs> But I will say that the movie, you know, like I said, a lot of times those things are done on purpose to maintain the attention of certain kinds of people, but at the same time deter other sorts of people who may pick up on things and realize what's happening. I've shared that before with like scam artists, I've told you, you know, where I've shared like... um They'll sometimes put out an advertisement or something with wrong, you know... You know, incorrect grammar or, or spelling and that chases away those who would have a more critical eye and possibly blow a whistle on them and the ones who don't catch it like, oh, well that's the ones I want the ones who really don't pay attention to detail and that's what this film it, it really that's why I said I need to do a segment on this because this was a perfect show or movie excuse me that really showed the importance of paying attention to detail you know, it, 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 if nothing else, that's what it highlighted. Um, I did a segment some time ago, a uh, good time ago, actually. Um, I think it was episode 47. And it was, you know, of, of this podcast, it was uh, 1984. I did a breakdown of, of the movie 1984. And... Um, and that break up, breakdown of 1984, I spoke about, um, you know, uh, double speech, 
you know, double speech. I spoke about double speech. And one of the reasons why that's so important is because you have to know that we're living in this time of intellectual warfare, economic warfare. That's just what it is. And there's no there's no slogan or there's no speech or there's no hero even that's put in front of you um, for any innocent reason. Everything has a has a rhyme and reason towards a certain agenda, and that's the basis of it. Even when we look at the um, the director of this movie, you know, uh, I believe the writer as well, but Greta Greta uh, Gerwig. Um, she did a movie by the name of Ladybird, and Ladybird, and she's clearly about bringing forth this sort of feminist agenda. Ladybird is about this teenage girl. She lives in Sacramento. She wants to leave home, and um, you know, it's sort of a it's it's a type of movie that you could you would almost think is boring if you're white if you're watching it. It's very it's very witty. It's very sharp in moments. But if you you have to catch certain things, and the the, the movie just it it's about you know the relationship that Lady Bird has with everyone around in in her life, her mother, her father, her mother's a nurse, father loses her job, she's got her brother and it's different guys in high school and and basically, um, you know, it's a very empty sort of film, you know. There's no action. There's there's um, no sex or anything like that, you know. And there's just this subtle sort of acting and subtle humor and subtle honesty, right? Um, but it's a feminist movie. But it's a very quiet, subtle, sneaky feminist movie, if you will. And I, I don't mean to use the word sneaky in a negative way though I'm saying what I'm saying. But this sort of vision of a of a young woman with these large ideas and um you know, there's a way to sort of spin that and a way to make it seem like the world is just not enough. You know, and that was a that was a pretty big um film. You know, it did it did really well in the in the box office, right? So we know again that this particular writer, that she has a style that has these strong feminist leanings, you know, and um, she's going to make sure that whatever she presents sort of fulfills her role on the battlefield, you know. And even you'll find that she'll, she'll have males in her film that are violent and older than the leading ladies, you know, all of that is is to lead you to a certain way of thinking, you know. And, of course, the subtle thing there is like, yeah, this is reflecting Hollywood where you have these men who harass or even assault women in that business. And and that leaks into the writing that leaks into the screen, you know, um, and you have to start to ask yourself as you're watching these things. Who's the audience for this particular thing? For, for what you're showing me here, who's the audience? Am I sort of looking at tricks of my own imagination? Or are these movies, you know, are these Harry Weinstein sort of um, get-backs, if you will, you know, where I am casting men as these very subtle sexual predators, 
you know, so that I can continue this revolt, you know. Um, one of the things I understand, especially, like I said, in this level of intellectual warfare is that I'm not saying that movies 100% are supposed to reflect life. They're not. They're movies. They're art. But they do affect life, you know. So the stories that we kind of embrace or we tell ourselves, um, they begin to shape how we see the world. And how we see the world, how we see ourselves, will begin to affect the way we act, right? Which is evident in what the young individual said, I'm guessing she's young, about breaking up with a boyfriend after she saw this movie. You know, she started to, I saw this movie and I saw that I'm, I am great. And I saw other women saying, I'm fabulous. I'm great. You know, and that's part of, um, that's part of the propaganda, you know. Uh, just claim it and you are it. I'm great. Or you, you know, you ask, uh, I've seen videos before where women were asked to rate themselves and they never rate themselves realistically. Everybody's a 10. At the lowest, a woman to give herself a nine. <laughs> but I'm a 10. Why? Because I am. I'm fabulous. You know, you ask a man to relate, rate himself, he'll be, oh, I'm a six. I'm a five. I'm seven, whatever, you know, it's just, they're just more realistic in that sense. And that's a part of the destruction of a proper self image. How do I really see myself? Cause what do I really know? How do I know how to, how to widen the lens of my life? If I, if I start off with everything's at blast, everything's at 10. So where do I grow and where do I go from there? You know, so you start to see some of the fraud. And um, some of these ideas, you know, and even in some of these um, these uh, these films and some of this art, you start to see the fraud that's being perpetuated and um, it gets it gets deeper. Right. So, again, just speaking about some of the the science to pay attention to when you're watching a film like this. OK, so just going back into the, the idea of. Barbie for a second. Um, she has her admirer in the film who is Beach Ken. Each Ken has a different designation, right? And the Ken who's played by Ryan Goslick, who is in love with stereotypical Barbie is Beach Ken, right? And like I said, she goes into the real world and she finds out that there were that the woman or the the young girl that she thought called her Sasha, it wasn't her, but rather her mother, Gloria. And Gloria was the one who was playing with the doll. And she was doing this because um, as she was doing it, she started to project her own anxieties onto the doll. You know, um, but at the same time, Gloria works at Mattel, where all the Barbies are created. Okay. And, you know, before I even continue on, I want to make it clear, too, like there were a lot of different clips and stuff where people I remember one where uh, an individual was saying, take your man to the Barbie movie. And if he doesn't understand it, drop his ASS right then and there. Um, another one was saying that this it's 2023, and if a man is not obsessed with you, that's all we're going for, obsession. If it's not just pure obsession, then drop his ASS. So 
I, I want to just sort of highlight that as I, you know, just kind of diverge, you know, um, digress on that point about, you know, just or really digress on really just the, the chronology of, of the film itself, because there's a certain sort of mentality that this film uh, sort of is generating, but in an interesting way. And we're going to we're going to see the real dissonance here as it pertains to that. We're going to see that, you know, what's being said as opposed to what's actually being being done, if if you will, in the film. So, um, like I said, you know, she goes and she goes into the quote unquote real world. And, you know, like you have this woman, Gloria, she works at Mattel. And at this time, when they go into the world, Ken discovers that. The human world is ran by men, is dominated by men, and women are subordinate. And this, again, through, through his eyes, and he loves this concept of patriarchy. So he he takes these books out of out of a library or bookstore. He steals them basically before going, and he goes back to Barbie Land by himself, studying these books. Now, what I found that interesting was the fact that there was still some level of earning what he wanted. He still studied. He asked questions to find out how could he convert where he lives because he thought it was great that he was being acknowledged because the Barbies were very rude to Ken's. You know, they were very dismissive and very rude. And that was supposed to be a mirror image of the world we live in. And again, it's not. <laughs> you know, it's not. This this film contained a lot of double speak. It was so very slick. You know, um, but Barbie is taken to Mattel, and in that space, she, um, they, you know, she speaks to the CEO. And what was interesting about that, and again, some of the continuity errors that you see, she speaks to him, and and of course, it's Will Ferrell. He's the head of the company. He's the CEO, and it's, he's got all his other board around him, and they just are not. They're dumb. They're just big dumb men, and they don't know anything. And she was like, "Well, can I speak to the CEO?" And he's like. Is me. And he said, well, can I speak to CFO? So essentially she's going, she's trying to find a woman in charge. And I, and I found that very interesting because a lot of times when you, when you look at certain sort of agendas, there's this, this idea that, you know, put women on a throne. Women should rule. Women should be in charge. And that's just not realistic in a sense that if you have to, you know, when, or let me put it this way, let me put it this way in a different sort of way. Um, when you are protesting and marching for power, then that power is given to you, right? So we look at even in America, you know, how, how did women come into power in this country to any form of power? They protested and they lobbied. And there were some men who, were not threatened by them, regardless of this overall image of some feminists seek to create. They were not threatened by them because they didn't see them as enemies. So they gave them power. They gave them positions. They rewrote laws for them, not because they had to. They didn't have to do any of that. They didn't have to. There was no reason they had to do that. Other than I don't see this person as my enemy, even though she's trying to paint me as my paint me as the enemy. But it's just not the way the way we are. Right. So that's an important point, 
you know, when you see all this protesting and lobbying, I mean, in general, men don't lobby and protest to be men or to take over things or to build things. They just do it right now that that's important because there's some things that are said that I, I'm, I'm going to go back and highlight that for you. But one of the, one of the things with this film, you know, as, and I'm giving I know I'm jumping a little bit, but I'm giving some context and I'm not going to go through every part of it because it was just. You know, there's a lot of corporate girl boss kind of feminist rhetoric in the, in in this film. You know, the feminist rhetoric is like, well, girls should be in charge. Girls should be the boss. Why? Like, you know, the person who should be in charge is the one who's most qualified. Male, female, old, young, whatever. Whoever's most qualified for the job is the one who should have the job. Not the one who dreamed of having the job. Remember, it's like Barbie's dream house. This film is about dreams versus actual ethic, whether it be worth work ethic or whatever. There's a lot of little slick things in here, a lot of little slick things to pick up. But um, like I said, there's a whole lot of lazy corporate girl boss type action. And you start to see that as the film, the different things that transpire that it's it's um, nuanced, you know, and there's an undermining of what's actually said in the story. As opposed to what's actually going on, you know, Barbie is she's not she's not a good she's almost like an anti-hero, but you don't real you don't even realize that entire the entire film unless you're watching it with eyes open. She's not a, she's superficial. All she cares about is um, her identity and her beauty. That's it. And all of her friends um, are women, if you will, but like they have this thing, girls' night. It's like every night is girls' night, you know. And her purpose for existing is to support women and, and represent women and and um which is that's cool, but all of her identity is tied up in the exclusion of anything that's meaningful towards her masculine counterparts. So whereas Ken is trying to establish a relationship with her, she just is completely Uncaring and cold and oblivious because it's girls' night. It's about the girls. So in truth, she's really cruel to him. But we don't really pick that up because it's pink and it's music and it's jokes and you know this is this is a Barbie toy. You know that is exists as the covering of this film, but it's wrapped. It's wrapping a very cruel agenda. Again, like I said, if you know what you're looking at, you're looking at a very cruel agenda. And at one point when she's speaking to Ken and he's like, yeah, like, I want to spend more time with you. Can I spend the night? And she's like, she's looking at him, smiling. He's like, uh, you could leave now. You know, and he just wants to kick it with him. You know, like, can I just spend some time? But she's just unambiguous. And she's sort of a uh, what we would say an a-hole. Right. But you don't you don't catch any of that because this film is supposed to appeal to the feelings and the emotions of women. So that's why they're saying if you go and you see what your boyfriend and he doesn't get it, break up with him, you know, because it's like it's it's that's part of the double speak in the game. And it's very dangerous because this film is really an attack on family in a very strong way. It's really an attack on family, you know, um, but you may not realize it between all the jokes and the pink and the blue and this and that. Uh, one of the things that I want to point out 
is that this is a PG-13 film, right? And there's a lot of inappropriate things in this film that I wouldn't take a 13-year-old child, you know, um, to view. You know, and like, for instance, there's a scene on the beach where the Kens are kind of going at each other for work. And they call the beach, they just call it beach. Hey, I'm beaching. And one of the Kens is like, um, I'll beat you off. I'll beat you off any day. Another Ken is like, I'll beat both of you guys off at the same time. These are, you know, masturbation jokes, obviously, but they're gay masturbation jokes. There's another scene where they go see who they call Weird Bobby, Barbie. And she says, oh, I would love to see the nude blob under Ken's clothes. Now, this is a film for children. You know, and in this children's film, you're making jokes about male gay masturbation. Um, yeah. So I want you to just think about that. You know, when you kind of look at it and you might feel like, hey, this is a, you know, it's a children's movie. Or you might say like, why is Chief going over this, over this, this children's film? And maybe you'll understand a little bit more like what, what's actually going on here. Um, so like I said, you have Barbie. She's really kind of cruel. And um, her her entire society or Barbie land, like I said, it's a matriarchy. And Kens, they say it directly, Kens are not allowed to hold positions of power. Um, they don't even have, like, real jobs. Ken's job is beach. So that's where you have that, you know, that gay masturbation joke. I'll beat you off. I'll beat you off, you know. Um, again, supposed to be for children. But the reality is this this... This movie that Greta Gerwig wrote, you know, the, the filmmaker, and, and it, it scored high on Rotten Tomato. Um, it got like an 80, 83% audience score, and then the tomato meter is 88%. Um, that's, that's high, you know, so, but of course, you know, when you do a film and you're, you're male bashing and, you know, you're, you're promoting this sort of third, third wave feminism, it, you're always, going to get high reviews you don't it doesn't even have to be about anything because this movie really was very weak it wasn't really about anything but there was so much it was just filled with agenda so you have these these feminine or female empowered characters in the film which are very interesting in a way because they they receive their positions because of their clothes so you you start to see also the superficial nature of it that's that lazy corporate girl boss thing like oh Issa Rae's the president because she's dressed like the president or this this Barbie's a doctor because he's dressed like a, a doctor now you might say well, why did he just say he because um the or or if, if it identifies as she or he I don't know but the the one who played Dr. Barbie is actually a trans actor by the name of Harry Harry Neff Harry Neff right um so you have that you have that in there and the kins are all the the the, the individuals i don't know about ryan gosling but i could say for the rest of them the the kins come off as pretty much being gay males they, they're all they're all effeminate and they're all clearly beta males clearly but and ken is a beta male himself but all of the Kens, in, if you watch the film, you can even watch a preview. If you just see one, you're going to immediately see it. Like these, these are gay people playing, you know, whatever. But they don't have genitals, so I guess they, you know, they they don't have. They wouldn't necessarily be 
heterosexual, whatever. But I know that that is that was not done, you know, uh, unintentionally. So uh, again, you you have this sort of uh, really dangerous concept in this film. And like I said, the film is is designed, and its purpose is clearly to take away families, to destroy families, right? There's a couple of things that you see, and uh, like when they go into the real world, you know, they dealt, they're, they're confronted with rude cops, one of them who actually approaches or hits on Barbie, if you will. Um, there's construction workers who are catcalling, and... Then there's there's these other construction workers, even though they're catcalling, and she's like, "I don't have a vagina," and the construction worker like, "That's fine with us." There's there's sort of there's sort of an innocence there, and it's a it's a contrast if you think about this patriarchal narrative that feminists give forth, right? And um, in this world, Ken has he still has the mind of what a woman, quote unquote, would have or Barbie would have. In Barbie world, because remember the roles are reversed. So when he goes into the real world, he's asking for jobs and handouts. You know, he's thinking his he'll just benefit from patriarchy. He's like, oh, I want to be a doctor, uh, so I'm going to need you to get me a white coat, coat, and this. And that. So in his mind, if I have the clothing and the uniform, if I look like this thing, then I am this thing. Now I want you to pay attention to that because that's important. You know, even though the women in the real world are not necessarily cast or, or 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 drawn in the film as being downtrodden there's a a woman doctor who's kind of like looking at Ken like what when he's when he's saying that um oh the doctors all the doctors here are men right you know and you have Gloria who's a you know she's a designer uh and she answers straight to the CEO of the company so there is a level of success that's shown in women and it doesn't seem like anyone's stopping them from being what they want to be in this particular world, right? Um, but you still have Barbie who comes in and she challenges Will Ferrell, who's the male CEO, because he's a man. But he doesn't seem to have any, you know, um, dubious intentions. You know, he isn't just trying to take advantage of anything or of anyone or anything like that. It's just a way that things are. And he feels that he's helping girls and, and, and women. So this concept of patriarchy comes up a lot. In fact, if you discount the um, the posters and the covers, the poster even said something interesting. Uh, the uh, movie poster, uh, well, the promotion, one of them that I saw uh, for the film, it said, um, it, was, it was just, uh, it was a picture of course, and um, of Barbie and Ken, and it says that the tagline is "She is everything; he is just Ken." <laughs> she is everything; he's just Ken, right? So, um, this patriarchy idea—it's in the movie, and it's actually—I looked at the script, did a search. It was in it eleven times. It was said the word patriarchy was said eleven times in the movie, right? Um, and even you have the daughter, Sasha, who's kind of like Gloria's daughter, who's like, I don't, I don't know if she would be considered the emo child, like all her, her crew, we're all black and stuff like that. But she's using terms like appropriation and, and fascism 
and you're supposed to see her as a child but I guess in some levels you also know that she's a child that doesn't really know what she's saying it's just words and and you have Ken and Barbie who are using the term patriarchy and they use it a lot and and even one of the, the workers in the office where Ken goes and he's like, oh, I want a job here. And he's like, oh, patriarch isn't gone. He's like, it's not gone. We just, we've just gotten better at hiding it. You know, so we're starting to see that the, there's some claims that, you know, that we have some advantages or there's an active disadvantage um, in the way that they hire. Right. Uh, now, again, all of this is very interesting because, again, it's all doublespeak. You know, uh, Ruth. They they even have uh, Ruth Handler in the film. She was played by Rhea Perlman. Very interesting scene because let's go back to the CEO scene. I know you feel like I'm jumping around. Don't worry. Where she challenges Will Ferrell on his maleness. Like, where's the woman CEO? And he's like, what? <laughs> you know, like, that's that's unheard of. Well, Ruth Handler was the CEO of of. Mattel for like 30 years. It didn't make any sense. Uh, Ruth, Ruth Handler, um, she was, she was the one who came up with the Barbie idea in 1959, 1959. And she and her husband, so let me make that clear before it goes into the other direction. She and her husband, Elliot Handler, they, um, they started the company. And they started the Mattel company, you know, and they, um, you know, they they were president, you know, co-president from 1945 to 1975. So the company was started by a married couple. The CEO of the company was a woman, Ruth Handler. And they ended up having a resign. They were actually forced out in 1975 because they got into some trouble with the uh, SEC for falsifying some documents. But um, nonetheless, um, so that that didn't make any sense that they would do a dig like that in the movie. Like, oh, there's no there's no female CEOs, you know, <laughs> and the, the company was started by a married a male and female married couple. You know, who held that seat for 30 years. It was a woman CEO for 30 years. Um, also, which is, you know, again, doublespeak, but this is meant for certain people who don't listen with a critical air. Um, I then did s- some digging on, on Mattel's board of directors. Mattel's current board of directors is almost split down the middle with male and female, you know, um, as of today. There are six six men on the board of directors and five women, you know? And, um, so that just doesn't, doesn't, that doesn't all, that doesn't jive either. So even the current board of directors has, it's, you know, it's just about how, I mean, there's 11 directors, but five of them are women. (laughs) All right. So, um, we start to see again that there is, uh, there's another thing that's happening here. There's another kind of agenda. And like I said, I could see that, okay, the agenda here is we have to, we got, we have to make men and women enemies. That's the key. Make them, make them enemies, right? So Ruth even says that the woman who, you know, Rhea Perman, she plays Ruth in the movie. She says, Oh, humans make things up like Barbie and patriarchy. 
you know. And that was interesting because in that moment you're saying, oh, patriarchy is made up. Well, what do you mean it's made up? Like what aspect of patriarchy? I'm going to get into that in a minute. But Ken is convinced. He's convinced like, oh, man, I'm going to use this patriarchy thing. Everything doesn't have to be matriarchal. So he goes back to Barbie land and he creates this revolution basically against the tyranny that he and his brothers have been experiencing all that time. You know, it's totally makes sense. <laughs> you know, the Barbies has been this, this Barbieocracy, if you will. And he goes back and he destroys the Barbie, the Barbieocracy. And he does that. And within one day, now you think about that for a second. If these women were so, or these Barbies were so trained and so versed in what it was they were doing, being judges, being presidents, how could somebody come back? And like they, there was a line in the movie where, I think it was Gloria was like, yeah, this is like, they didn't have, it's like smallpox. They didn't have any immunity to it. They had a defense for this. So they have to, so, so the message there is that young girls and women have to actively defend themselves against the patriarchy. And I'm using the patriarchy as opposed to patriarchy. So once Barbie gets back to Barbie land, he has this sort of gendered, dictatorship if you will and it's not much different than what they had before it's just reversed you know and but now the difference is that instead of everything being so superficial which they didn't highlight this in the movie they're actually talking about ideas they're talking about their interests it's not just about how pretty everyone is or, or we're beaching let's go beach let's go to the beach but you know there's still this level of agenda line so it's still not right, but it actually have gone deeper than the Barbies did, which again, they didn't really highlight that in the movie. Okay. Um, so the Ken's taking over was not the answer, you know, but now the Barbies, they get together and they figure out how do we turn these Ken's back into second class citizens and restore what we had before. Not equality. <laughs> we don't want equality. We want to take back what we had before. Okay. And that's when you start to see some of the evilness and the double speech. This is what we're getting to our, our arc, our film arc at this point, right? This is probably one of the most important clips in the movie. This is the one that everybody's been ranting and raving about that everyone was so empowered by. It was a, a monologue given by, um, Gloria's character, uh, America Ferreira was, you know, the actress who played Gloria. And what was interesting in the film that her husband, Ryan, Ryan Williams, actually played her husband in the film. And he was a complete useless goofball. So even when they were like, um, when they were, when her, she and her daughter, Sasha, were going into Barbie land to try to, I don't know, because there was no reason for them to actually go, but that's just the, the film didn't really make sense. But, um, when they were leaving, the daughter Sasha was like, well, what about that? And she was like, we don't need your father. And the daughter was like, yeah, we don't need that. <laughs> very subtle. Very subtle. But the fact that they used America Ferrara's real husband. Because they know after this film, this film made $100 million in its first strong. It was the biggest grossing film of any female director ever. Right, so they know after this film there's going to be all kind of interviews, red carpets, so forth. It's going to win awards and all of that, and people are going to always see America Ferrera 
and I'm sure they picked also she got picked for the part because of her name but they're going to see America Ferrera with her husband Ryan Williams we don't need that he's a goofball look at him he's silly he's goofy he's trying to speak Spanish in the movie he's messing it up you see so they're creating that that sort of image so I'm going to play this this clip of the speech that America Ferrera did in the movie and then I'm going to come back and comment on it anymore what you're so pretty i'm not stereotypical barbie pretty note to the filmmakers margot robbie is the wrong person to cast if you want to make this point you're beautiful it's not just that i'm not smart enough to be interesting you're so smart i can't do brain surgery i've never flown a plane <laughs> i'm not the president no one in the Supreme Court is me. I'm not good enough for anything. It is literally impossible to be a woman. You are so beautiful and so smart and it kills me that you don't think you're good enough. Like, we have to always be extraordinary. But somehow we're always doing it wrong. <laughs> like you have to be thin, but not too thin. And you can never say you want to be thin. You have to say you want to be healthy, but also you have to be thin. You have to have money, but you can't ask for money because that's crass. You have to be a boss, but you can't be mean. You have to lead, but you can't squash other people's ideas. You're supposed to love being a mother, but don't talk about your kids all the damn time. You have to be a career woman, but also always be looking out for other people. You have to answer for men's bad behavior, which is insane, but if you point that out, you're accused of complaining. You're supposed to stay pretty for men, but not so pretty that you tempt them too much or that you threaten other women because you're supposed to be a part of the sisterhood, but always stand out and always be grateful. But never forget that the system is rigged, so find a way to acknowledge that, but also always be grateful. You have to never get old, never be rude, never show off, never be selfish, never fall down, never fail, never show fear, never get out of line. It's too hard. It's too contradictory. And nobody gives you a medal or says thank you. And it turns out, in fact, that not only are you doing everything wrong, but also everything is your fault. I'm just so tired of watching myself and every single other woman tie herself into knots so that people will like us. And if all of that is also true for a doll, just representing a woman, then I don't even know. Wait, I did write a book. It's like I've been in a dream where I was somehow really invested in the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League. But what you said broke me out of it. Really? Yeah. 
you're back. She's back. By giving voice to the cognitive dissonance required to be a woman under the patriarchy, you robbed it of its power. Yes. Oh, I just said all of that. Hell yes, white savior Barbie. And there you go. It's that big speech everyone's been talking about from America Ferrera. You know, where she outlines all the troubles and ro- and woes that women go through. Now, there's so much to break apart in, <laughs> in that in that speech. There's so much because it was filled with a lot of double speech. But I want to start from the end, then I'm going to go back to the top. When Margot Robbie's character says, by giving voice to the cognitive dissonance required to be a woman under the patriarchy, you robbed it of its power. She said a bunch of nothing. But if you if you don't know, you'll think, wow, she just wow, that was deep. What she, she what she said actually didn't even coincide coincide with what Gloria said. It didn't make any sense. She just it was gibberish. So let's look at two terms. Cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance is simply when you're holding on to di- two different ideas or two different feelings. Or they don't have to be two, more than two, just conflicting ideas or um, attitudes and you're holding them onto them inside internally and your, your thinking process and it creates a discomfort. So you become uncomfortable with having those different ideas, right? Um, it's the discomfort and patriarchy, which is was used so much in this film. Patriarchy is nothing than uh, a system. It's a, it's a system of society. It's a social system where um, religious power or political power or economic power is formed around the father or the eldest male inside of a family or inside of a tribe. Okay, so patriarchy literally means the rule of the father. Arch or archy means rule. Patri means father. The rule of the father. That's it. So, of course, if you don't, if you're not one who wants to know what's being said, anything that's said, oh yeah, that's what it is. But when you, when you look within the feminist matrix, when they say patriarchy, they're speaking about a system where men are projected or seen as superior to women and they behave in a way so as to have not only authority over them, but abuse that authority. That has nothing to do with the word patriarchy. Nothing. The word patriarchy is not synonymous with abuse. It's not synonymous with unfairness. It's not synonymous with injustice. But you've had, you have a group of people who've made it as, as such. And then you have another group of people who don't know any better. So they'll, they'll hold on to it. So even the speech she said where people are like, oh my God, it was so empowering. And, and uh, she says it's, and I'm going to take it. I'm not going to break every little thing down because we're almost at an hour already, but we're pretty much like at an hour now. But she says it is literally impossible to be a woman. You are so beautiful and so smart. And it kills me that you don't think you're good enough. Well, good enough for what? Good enough to be what? Good enough to do what? See, this this thing is, I don't think I'm good enough. Well, let me measure myself. Am I good enough? Because she said, I'm, I'm not president. I'm not on the, well, you'd have to work. I'm not a doctor. You'd have to work to become those things. So you're, you're complaining because you're not those things that you've never worked to be. 
you just perfect. I'm, I, I don't feel pretty. I'm not beautiful. That's all you've ever cared about. You know, so and we might say, oh, it's a new movie, but there are people who actually do think this way. They function on the concept of deserve. They, they function on the concept of I'm entitled to. I'm good enough. I'm beautiful. I'm awesome. I'm this, but not I have earned. I have worked and I have earned. So they begin to inflict these sort of revenge politics upon the modern man. And this movie is about revenge politics. So there's, there's these really toxic one-sided narratives of the patriarchal theory and it's sort of a it's sort of a cover and it provides these subversive statements about twisted gender politics you know and and they're using this veneer if you will of this doll of barbie it's just barbie it's fun hey <laughs> it's fun no this was an attack <laughs> this was an attack so she says you are so beautiful, man. It kills me that you don't think you're good enough. Like, we have to always be extraordinary. But somehow, we're always doing it wrong. Okay, check this out. You want to be a CEO. You said, well, where's the woman CEO? Right? Because it's not just a, it's not just an outfit you put on and you become CEO. You know how you become the CEO? You have to be extraordinary. But somehow, people are always going to say you're doing it wrong. That's what it is to be the boss. That's what it is to be the patriarch. You have to be extraordinary, extraordinary. You see? And even though you're extraordinary, people will still turn around and say, why don't you do it this way? Why don't you do it that way? And men are built to, to be able to function under pressure. We, we do it better than women do. Studies have proven that. We respond to stress, you know, more, more efficiently than women do. Okay? So th- this sort of these kind of goofy ideas of like these bimbos, and I'm saying bimbos in the film, because you had himbos and bimbos. You had female Barbie bimbos, you had male bimbos. But I'm going to put this outfit on and I'm going to be this thing. Make me this thing, <laughs> you know, um, and this this sort of endless monologue that she, well, it just sucks to be a woman because then she says you have to be thin, but not too thin. Says who? And you can never say you want to be thin. You have to say you want to be healthy, but you have to also be thin to see that that's a dissonant. That's a dissonant statement right there. That's a dissonant statement right there. No one's saying you have to be thin other than other women and the industry, the, the fashion industries that you have submitted yourselves to. Have you asked men what they actually want? No, you haven't. But it sucks to be a girl. See, that's the narrative. It sucks to be a girl. You see. And this idea of like we're these oppressed little girls, it's, it misunderstands how beauty beauty standards come about. And how little girls play with dolls. That's why you had the weird Barbie in the movie. Like her hair was cut messed, like she had messed up makeup. She was always doing splits. You know how like when little girls play with the dolls and they paint on their faces with marker and they cut their hair and stuff. So they called that one weird Barbie. That's actually how women, how, how little girls play with dolls. That's what's fun to them. 
you know. But also there's a there's a sort of jab to women who actually do look like that. You know. Who really do look that way. Because the reality is that the Barbies are obsessed with beauty. That's just the, the truth of it. So she goes on to say, you have to have money, but you can't ask for money because that's crass. You have to be a boss, but you can't be mean. Well, why would you need to be mean to be a boss? Because that's the idea that's put forth by females who don't who who don't really function properly inside of the corporate structure or the business world. Because they're given this idea at very young that if I assert myself, that means I'm a B-I-T-C-H. No, it just means you have to assert yourself. But the reality is to be a boss, to be a CEO, to be a supervisor, to be a manager, you have to be kind. And there are times that you have to be truthful and it may hurt people's feelings. But to say you can't be mean means that you want to be mean. And it's a, and like she said, you have to be a boss. No one told you you had to be a boss. No one told you you had to be a boss. It's, she said, she goes on to say, you have to lead, but you can't squash other people's ideas. Well, why would you squash other people's ideas? I mean, one of the marks of a good leader is listening to your constituents. But who said you had to lead? You said you had to lead. You said you had to be a boss. Beyonce said, oh, all, all my ladies, independent. But at the same time, let's go up to what she said earlier. Um, You have to have money, but you can't ask for money. Can you pay my bills? Can you pay my... So how many songs are there? If, if you can't do anything for me, get out my... Women are saying that. Or females are saying that directly now. If you can't take me on a $300 date for our first date, forget it. Show me that you're serious. <laughs> you have to be a boss and you have to lead. No, you don't have to do that. In fact, the men didn't want you to do that. Men were going out every day and doing all these things that you're complaining about when you're saying, like, life sucks. It's so horrible. They were going out and doing that because they cared for their families. They were going out and leading. They were going out and being bosses. You know, and having to maintain health so they can continue to take care of their families. They were doing that. And then you decided through toxic feminism, I want to be a boss, too. Just like Barbie is saying, I'm not these things. I'm, I'm not even that beautiful anymore. I want those things that I see others have. I don't I don't want to work for them. No, no, I don't want to work. I just want to put on the outfit, but I want those things. But once I get those things that I wanted, I wanted them. Once I get those things that I want, then I'm going to say life sucks. And I'm going to complain about the patriarchy. Who was fine with me being a nurturer and being a homekeeper. See, this this film is, is, is it hits so many deep points because the reality is, you know, that's the the overall theme in movies these days. Not speaking about one in in specific, but just in general, it's it's these these sort of values that are being spread where you have these empowered female characters and they get their empowerment by acting in ways that are typically associated with masculinity. So to be empowered, you have to be masculine, but to be masculine is too tough. And I'll, I'll do a segment later about the, the woman who posed as a man. I think it was for like for a year or two years, something like that. She she committed suicide afterwards. 
you know, she was doing a, an experiment and she said it's just too, it was too difficult being a man. But you have to do these things that are associated with masculinity and then you get depicted as being violent or BAD, you know, bad ASS or, um, you have to, or more competent than all the male characters around, you know, it's that Cliff, Cliff and Claire Huxtable thing. Claire is always more competent, you know, but you never see the classic feminine qualities empowered and are highlighted like being understanding, <laughs> being compassionate. You see, in in films and in media, all you see is just really like angry, upset tomboys. And and now that narrative says that women are supposed to act that way and being quiet or being compassionate and being gentle instead of being rude and loud means that you're weak. And so they're feeding this into young girls who now grow up with those values and they and they're expected to take charge. And never asked for help. But no one told them to take charge. And it's similar to how when you have mothers who raise boys and they teach them to never cry. Or to show emotions that would be considered weak. So you're now crafting this generation of women that feel that they, should, they shouldn't have to ask for help. And men are afraid to offer it. So no one gets offended. You see. It's always the same sort of idea here that you see perpetuated even in the speech that women are controlled by the patriarchy but women never have any flaws they're stunning and they're brave unless they're trans now if they're trans they they just get an unceasing an unceasing and unending amount of praise you know and you get statues <laughs> and murals built and constructed in your honor if you're trans See, because when you look at this film, what you'll see is that the Barbies were happy serving the Kins. They were thrilled. When Ken came back and switched it over, they were happy. Because you can be career Barbie, quote unquote, and if serving your man brings you relaxation and fulfillment at the end of the day, if you come home and kick off your shoes and take your shower and then go make a meal or just make your man's favorite drink, it could be lemonade. And if that's relaxing to you, and it fulfills you. Why not? Why can't you be Dr. Barbie? But there's a scene where Dr. Barbie, trans character, says, it's like a spa day for my brain every day. So you can be, but you could be Dr. Barbie when you're on call. And when you're not on call, you could still serve Ken Bear in your free time. And achieve fulfillment in your relationships. But the producer of this film, producers, didn't understand that servitude can be intimacy and it can be gratifying i have women in my life now that love serving and i could see the discomfort when they're not given opportunities by me to serve it's gratifying to them it's fulfilling you see it's fulfilling to them to be able to to serve you know so that that sort of concept you you have that again that this filmmaker, Greta Gerwig, is is providing you through this feminist lens, if you will. But um, if we look again at the speech, she says, uh, you're supposed to be a loving mother or you're supposed to love being a mother. But don't talk about your kids all the damn time. You have to be a career woman. Again, you don't have to be a career woman. No one told you to do that. 
Now, some would say, well, it's only me and my... Well, you chose to be a single mother, if that's your situation. You made a unilateral decision to be a single mother. If that if that's your, your excuse on that one. You have to be a career woman, but also always be looking out for other people. That's just being a good human. That's being a good human. You see how this film is, is tearing apart... Um, quality aspects of humanity and, and speaking about them in this woe is be, woe is me sort of, sort of way, you know, um, and the whole film is, is, there's a segregation of gender. You don't see anyone interacting with the complementary sex without, sex without some sort of sick conflict. Even Sasha's father, Sasha's dad, when she's, he's trying to, they're making fun of him because he's trying to learn Spanish. You know, obviously to communicate with them in a more healthy way. And there's no reason to make fun of him. They're just like, oh, whatever, dad. You see? So she goes on to say, you have to answer for men's bad behavior, which is insane. But if you point that out, you're accused of complaining. You never have to answer for men's bad. That doesn't that that right there. Again, the dissonance. That was just a, that was a complete logical fallacy, complete logical fallacy. And that may have been an inference towards rape or some sort of molestation or assault or or, or things like that. But they used the fallacy there. Because if you point that out, you're, compu- you're, you're accused of, of complaining, maybe harassment on the job. Okay, you're supposed to stay pretty for men, but not so pretty. See how this line follows up the last one, which shows you what they were doing. This was the slickness. You're supposed to stay pretty for men, but not so pretty that you, that you tempt them too much or that you threaten other women because you're supposed to be a part of the sisterhood. See? Women don't get pretty for men. Women get pretty for women. See, that's so that's another logical fallacy that they're inserted. You're supposed to stay pretty for men, but not but not so pretty that you tempt them too much. So then you're if, if so that right there, you're not speaking about staying pretty for your husband. You're saying stay pretty for men and men in general don't just go up to women and say stay pretty. What are you doing? Stay we don't care. <laughs> you know, we care about the woman that we're sleeping with every night, that we're providing for, that we're in partnership with, you know, but in general, that's not something we care about. But in general, women do care about how other women view them when they walk out of the house. So so now when you put those two together, you're supposed to stay pretty for men, but not so pretty that you tempt them too much. Well, now you're talking about strange men that has nothing to do with anything. And there's a way to, to to prevent that. There's a way to stop that. Or that you threaten other women because you're supposed to be a part of this sisterhood. That's what it is. Other women are, there's a lot of insecurity. To threat, they threaten each other. That has nothing to do with patriarchy. But always stand out and always be grateful. Well, again, let's go back to this. How do you become that doctor, that lawyer, that CEO, that judge? You stand out and you be grateful. But they're coining it in this movie, in this speech, as if it's a problem. Well, because maybe it it isn't in a lot of people's nature who happen to, to be female, to be grateful and to exceed above the rest of the crowd through their own merit. Not because I'm the prettiest one in the room. I'm the tallest one in the room. I have the best body in the room. 
you know, but stand out and be grateful, right? So humble and stoop so that you can rise. That's how a CEO becomes what they become. But never forget that the system is rigged. Absolutely. Because men, men are faced with that every single day. Every day we're faced with that reality. The system is rigged. We live in a matriarchal society today. It's rigged. You want to know? You want to know? Monday dawning, go down to family court. Go look at the cases there for child support and, and for custody. And you tell me if the system is not rigged, if it's not a matriarchal system working against masculinity and manhood. Again, the Kens in this movie were clearly all gay. Clearly. And the one who may not have been, Ryan Gosling's character, was a beta male. But he was what all women say they want. I want a man who's obsessed over me. And I'll get into that in a minute before we, we, we break. But never forget the system is rigged. So find a way to acknowledge that, but always be grateful. Right. That's, again, <laughs> be great. You're being a human. Right, because... People built something and you're trying to get into what somebody built. So it's just like if I if I go and and, and uh, interview for a job tomorrow, I know the system is rigged. I know that. But if I get the job, I don't say thank you. I just say, yeah, well, yeah, you're supposed to. You should have given me that. I'm fabulous. You see, you never get old, never trick, never be rude, never show off, never be selfish, never fall down, never fail, never show fear, never get out of line. It's too hard. It's too contradictory. and Nobody gives you a medal or says thank you. Hey, that's what being a father is. <laughs> you just described what it is to be a father. That's it right there. I'll read it again. You have to never get old. I, I, I dictated this speech. I typed it over. I said, I'm not going to remember everything. And it was so foolish. You have to never get old, never be rude, never show off, never be selfish, never fall down, never fail, never show fear, never get out of line. It's too hard. It's too contradictory. Nobody gives you a medal or says thank you. Yep. You might get a tie for Father's Day or a pack of underwear if you're lucky. Yep. But you wanted to be a man. You wanted to be a father. That's what you wanted to be. No one told you to be that. In fact, you had to march and lobby and protest to be this very thing that you're now complaining about having to be. And any man who steps forward like an Andrew Tate or whomever and says, no, I want my woman in the kitchen. I want her beautiful in the bedroom. She, he's a problem because he's a part of what? The patriarchy, which is evil. Then she goes on to say, and it turns out, in fact, that you're not only are you doing everything wrong, but also everything is your fault. Yeah, well, that's being a man. How else would you become that CEO or, or that doctor? When doctors make a mistake, people go crazy. But there was a female doctor recently who decapitated a baby. Melanin rich female doctor at that and tried to cover it up and hide it from the family. People have been quiet about that. What about brick girl? Lied about lied about getting hit by a brick. Came on to so I know you guys know to want social media girl with the side of her face all swollen up. I was hit by a brick and these black men didn't protect. She was lying. Where's the outrage? Where's that? Where's the, all the videos of the women saying how could you do that? And how, right? It's never your fault. Stop lying. 
but also everything is your fault. That's another logical fallacy. We live in a time and day where women accept no accountability for anything. This whole speech is about inaccountability, unaccountability. I wanted to be these things, but now that I'm these things, it's not fun. Because I wanted to be the the lazy girl boss. That's what she's saying. I thought I was going to put a suit on. And I was going to have my phone. And I had my briefcase. And I was going to have my desk. And people were going to listen to me. I was going to look cute in my suit. That's what I thought it was going to be. Not this. You see. You thought it was going to be a certain image. And it was going to be fun. And when it, when it wasn't fun anymore. Now it's the fault of men. For wanting you to be like this. But no one asked you to be that. They begged you not to be that because you destroyed the family. 60 million children aborted. Feminism. They begged you not to, but you wanted to do it anyway. Then she says, I'm just so tired of watching myself and every single other woman tie herself into knots so that people will like us. And if all that is also true for a doll just representing women, then I don't even know. Now, that was a slick line. And if all of that is true for a doll representing women, then I don't even know. Well, what else represents women that is not actually a woman? (laughs) You see the slickness? You see how they threw a whole nother population of people in that last statement? And if all that is true for a doll just representing women, then I don't even know. So anybody who represents a woman can now stand on all of those same kind of complaints even though they may be completely misplaced and irrelevant. See, the the concept of this woman is that in order for women to save their world and their sanity, they have to turn, you have to turn the woman against the men in order to save the world. If you watch the movie, you'll see that's how they ended up saving Barbie land. They voted to reestablish the matriarchy. Now, interesting that the Kens were seeking to seize power through vote. Not just because that's just how it is with no question, but they just they said, well, we'll we'll do a vote. And when you go to the end, I'm just going to jump to end because we're way over time. Really, the theme of the movie is in order to self-actualize, you have to be apart and you have to be lonely. Because at the end, Barbie decides, well, I'm going to go off into the human world. I'm going to be by myself. And can you go be by yourself? Go figure it out. So how do I how do I self-actualize as a person? Go be alone. Break up. See, and that's part of the sad sickness of it because men and women, we need to work together. We need to work together. If we are going to survive as a species, we need to work together. And in the West, women have achieved a lot more equality. That's just the truth of it. So now that that's done, their thing is to constantly dump on men. Like men don't have feelings or men don't need to be appreciated or tell like, you know, you have Ken, this blonde, this uh, uh, bleached blonde, you know, or tell them, yo, you're just a misogynistic incel. But there needs to be media and concepts that point to our similarities point to our strengths as a team and the way that it's us you know 
it not uh, not so much us versus them or man versus woman, but it's us versus those who are seeking to divide us. You see, and that's that's part of the sickness that um this this film it it perpetuates, and it's like I said, there's so much to it. Even among the Kins, there's a lack of unity, which of course assures that they'll be defeated. You know, um, there's a lot that's really that's really pointed out. And like I said, I, this could be a four or five hour film because they were so slick in what they did. But, you know, this idea of like you're, you're establishing this entitlement inside of women early on. You should be the boss. Why? Because you look like a boss. You're beautiful. <laughs> you're beautiful. So you should be in charge because you're beautiful. You see? And that's all that's really being being said in, in that sense. But when you speak about equality, it's so very deep because she said, well, where's the CEO? Meanwhile, you walk past the front where there's a woman designer right there working right next to the CEO. But that's not good enough. And like I said, Mattel, half their board is female. Half their executive board is, is, is female. It was it was chaired by a woman for, for 30 years. That's not enough. But. I've said this so many times, you know, and I, I decided, I said, I'll share some statistics. You know, 9% of the women in our population um, work as wastewater treatment operators at plants. 9%. You see, the median sal- salary there is, is about $50,000 a, a year. Okay. Um, passenger vehicle drivers, about 9%. Those would be shuttle bus drivers or chauffeurs, you know, or even just like public bus drivers, 9%. You know, um, construction and maintenance paint, painters, 7%. Garbage collectors or recycling collectors, 7%. Um, flight engineers, pilots, 7%. Map technicians, people who do surveying and mapping, 6%. Delivery or workers or truck drivers, seven was well, 6.8%. Pest control, 6.5%. Mechanical engineers, 6.6%. Ground keepers, 6.3%. Although cleaning jobs, like maintenance and cleaning, is 42% female 42 percent but when it comes to actually doing grounds work you know groundskeepers 6.3 percent employed you see i go on cabinet makers 5.8 percent are women who are employed uh people who work in natural resources 5.6 percent that's the people who work in agriculture or forestry or hunting fishing mining Oil extraction, gas extraction, quarrying, 5.6% of women. Industrial mechanics, 5.1% of million are, are, are women. And they have a median salary of around $60,000 an hour uh, a year. You know, so these are, these are decent jobs. Manufacturers and productions, people who do welding and things like that, or who do milling, milling or, um, uh, machinists, you know, three three point seven to about six percent are women. Firefighters, three point three percent are women. And I'm not saying people who work 
for the fire company, but actual firefighters. We have about 320,000 firefighters in the United States. 3.3% of them are women. You see, railroad conductors, 2.4%. So, but then when we go, or we could even say uh, uh, brick masons and, and block masons, 2% are women. 2% are women. CEOs in this country, 38% are women. <laughs> See the jump? Did anybody catch it? See the jump? How about this loggers? People who work in the logging industry. You have about 66,000 people working in logging. 2% of them are women. 2%. You know, most loggers are middle-aged white men. You know, but it's dangerous work. It's rough work. It's rough and dangerous, you know. 2% of women. Vehicle mechanics, you have between about 1% to 4% nationwide of women. Whether they're working on um, trucks, cars, airplanes, you know. Um, 1.5% of diesel engine specialists are women. Okay. So, just wanted to give you that kind of that kind of those kind of numbers but 38 percent are ceos when you talk about equality and i've said this so many times yeah you want equality but you don't want to crawl through sewers you don't want to be an exterminator <laughs> you know so let's what, what are we really talking about even when we look at trades people you know you have 0.8 to 6 percent are women those are carpenters roofers electricians things like that you know do you really want equality? You see? And films like this create that sense of entitlement. That's why you have women breaking up or females breaking up with their boyfriends. And anybody who breaks up with their boyfriend over this movie, I mean, you kind of did the guy a favor. <laughs> In all honesty, you did the guy a favor. But, you know, I, I just knew it was interesting and, and I wanted to highlight this film because I speak to a lot of young girls. I've raised young girls. And I've have to fight, I've had to fight against these kind of ideas in the past where I've looked like I didn't or, or I was made to seem like I didn't know what I was talking about. And it's like I said, a lot of the, the, the deception is very nuanced. It's so very nuanced. And you have to be able to recognize it early on to see what's going on. All right. With that, I'm going to head out where I want to half in. And I'm going to leave you with... um a song, you know, speak about where we should be and, and where we need to get back to. But again, like I said, I could I could do this. I could do probably another two, three segments on this because I didn't even break down everything into the end of the movie. But I, I urge you to, you know, check it out, you know. Um, and just know that at the end of the movie, like I said, the answer was separation and the women, the matriarchy was restored you know, and they kind of squashed the rebellion, but men were still considered, men were given lower roles and they were like, well, maybe, you know, eventually, you know, you'll have the rights that the women have in the human world. You know, but now stereotypical Barbie, she wants to return to the real world and um, she goes to experience her first um, gynecological exam. You see. All right, so that has been our Barbie Barbie segment. Um, just wanted to share that breakdown and, well, like I said, all that that overview and 
get your feelings on it. Again, share in the comments. Uh, definitely leave a, a review on on Apple Podcasts if you're listening through that medium or Google Podcasts. Leave a review. You can ask your questions in there, or you can send your questions to questions at chiefyuya.com. All right, peace.
you to ever imagine that what happens here in this space is ever far from you and I merge at the center you go through beyond these veils. I want to be more than just another thing you have to get done. You know me and you see through me. My heart is yours. We are one Empress. Now, is it anything I can do for you? Yes. What is it? Help me take your cape off. You don't have to be the world's hero. Just be my Haru.